again. Bismillah. Bismillah rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allah, Allahumma sallallahu wa sallam wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad. We left off on number 105. He said, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa Allah, Liyukhafif alam al balai ank, Elmuka bi anna hu subhanahu hu al mubdi lak, Feladi wajahatka minhul akdar, Hu al ladi awadaka husna lichtiar. So he said, Radiallahu ta'ala an, Let the pain of tribulation be lightened for you by knowing that it is He most glorious who is making trial of you. For Him from whom you are faced with the blows of fate is He who has accustomed you to His choosing well. Um, he says here, to His choosing well, um, you could also say just to choosing well um, and part of the commentary here that I have here um, kind of indicates that meaning I guess it could be both yeah so Basically what it's this is saying is that inevitably there will be trials that we face in life and uh, of course anytime someone is going through a trial it's hard for them to hear that and it always feels like well you don't know what I'm going through and even that was said to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, the woman didn't realize that it was the Prophet them, But that's what that was said to him uh, When he told the woman uh, Who's Had experienced a death um, To be patient She was crying and wailing And he told her to be patient And she said you know you haven't You're not going through what I'm going through So You know how do you know that Um so speaking to pain is difficult, but much of what we, uh, one of the things I've been thinking about recently actually is that one of the, m much of what we cover in the works of spirituality, much of what we cover in the teachings of the Prophet them, and then those that have inherited his way, a lot of it is kind of like preventative measures. It's like um, preventative care, right? Um, it's not emergency care It's preventative care And it's meant to Create some sort of foundation I don't know if I should say it that way But one of the benefits of it Is that it creates some sort of foundation So that when a person faces Whatever they face in life They have things to draw upon And they have a shared foundation That others can speak to them from And um so what he's saying here is that you're going to go through these trials and you're going to go through tribulations and one of the things that will help the individual to manage that and to lessen the pain of that experience is to recognize that the source of these things that have been decreed is the same source that decreed other things. So, um, so one of the commentaries here is like, so if you look at it, say for example, like our ability to determine what is good and what is bad is limited, right? But in some sense, when we face a trial, and we deem it to be a trial 
and we deem it to be something negative and something that you know why is this happening to me and so on and so forth in order to even be able to assess that there's some wisdom and thought that has to go into assessing it right and it is Allah who puts us through the experiences that we've been through in life that even gives us the ability to think about what is good and what is bad in the first place so the one who's giving us the ability to think about uh, what is good for us is also the one who's decreeing whatever it is that's happening so feel some level of uh, he says he's basically saying so feel some level of like who who he's the one that in the first place gave, accustomed you and gave you the uh, he gave you this ability to to choose correctly so basically you know if we were to get out of the the weeds of it a little bit this is just this is essentially saying whatever you go through it's Allah who's in charge of everything that's in existence and let your knowledge of Allah's supremacy so to speak um, help you to deal with the things that you're going through uh, and subhanallah you know these are very foundational things that you often see in peoples who come from Muslim lands and who are believers even if um, they have like really difficult lives you know um, really really difficult lives but you'll see them like sometimes maybe you, you watch different video clips or television or whatever it might be and you'll see people who are like literally living with nothing they have nothing and family members are sick and ill and they're poor and this person died and so on and so forth and they're like they're like what can we say other than alhamdulillah you know what can we say other than radina billah that we're pleased with Allah we're content with Allah um, and you know like like we saw in the the thing that asna we shared last time from Dr. Omar this idea that like one can be content with the decree and still be you know it's not something that's necessarily pleasurable but they can be content with it that whatever Allah has decreed I'm you know I'm going to I'm going to take that as it comes and so he's saying let that let that be a means by which the pain of these things that you go through is lessened and and in that there is a recognition obviously that there is pain in it right like there is there is pain in life there are trials in life and um You know, subhanAllah, everything though is coming from Allah. And Allah is more merciful to the person than even their parents. So he says, one of the things he says in the commentary here, for anyone who hasn't been to classes in the past, anytime I say the commentary, unless I say otherwise, I'm referring to the commentary of Sheikh Abdul Majid al-Shunubi, Allah al-Azhar al-Sharif from the scholars of Al-Azhar in the last couple hundred years. He says in the commentary here, فَإِنَّ مَنْ عَرَفَ أَنَّ الْبَلَايَ مِنْ مَوْلَاهُ وَسَيِّدِهِ الَّذِي هُوَ أَرْحَمُ بِهِ مِنْ وَالِدَتِهِ وَوَالِدِهِ كَيْفَ يَبْقَى لَهُ بِالْأَنَمِ أَحْسَاسِ أَمْ كَيْفَ لَا يَتَلَذَّذُ بِهِ كَمَا يَتَلَذَّذُ بِالنِّعْمَةِ سَائِرُ النَّاسِ كما قال في التنوير وخفف عني ما ألاقي من العنا بأنك أنت المبتلي والمقدر. So he says the translation of it is, how can how, the one who knows that the trials they face come from their Lord, who is more merciful to them than their mother and their father, then how do, how can they still feel pain in the trial? Rather, how can they not? Uh, experience delight in it the way that other people experience delight in good things and blessings but the person who really knows Allah they, they experience delight in, in the blessings and in the trials because 
it's all from Allah and that's where their focus is and this is related to one of the lines of poetry in At-Tanwir At-Tanwir is a reference to another book of Sayyidi Ibn Atta'ala secondary rahimahullah ta'ala uh, it's called At-Tanwir fi Isqat At-Tadbir the illumination as regards to giving up um, excessive plotting and planning So in that line of poetry he says And it lessened upon me The difficulty of what I experienced Knowing that you were the one Who gives the trials and decrees the affairs Referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously And then it continues وَمَا لِمْرِئٍ عَمَّا قَضَى اللَّهُ مَعْدِلٌ وَلَيْسَ لَهُ مِنْهُ الَّذِي يَتَخَيَّرُ It says, and no person has any way to get away from what God has decreed and he has no choice in it. So the person then submits their affairs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then in 106 he says, مَنْ It's very beautiful. The wording in it is very beautiful. So he says, "Man dhannin fikaka lutfihi an qadrihi, fadalika li qusuri nadrihi." But whoever thinks his loving kindness, his lutf, is ever separated from his ordaining fate, does so out of short-sightedness. Whoever thinks his loving kindness is ever separated from his ordaining fate does so out of short-sightedness they're not really person who can't see that Allah's lutf is part of the qadr they just they, they actually can't see they're not seeing well their vision is uh, short-sightedness or their nearsightedness uh, they don't see things as they are he says in the commentary, Rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafunallahu bi ulumihi fi darin fi inna al-arifina yashadun al minana fi al-mihana fi al-mihani wa al-ataya fi al-balaya bal kathiran ma yataladhadun biha lima ya'qibuha min al-mazaya fi innaha tujibu shiddata qurb al-abdi man mawlah li innahu yukfiru al-tadarru'a inda nuzuliha bihi the end of this paragraph he says in the commentary he says al-arifun so we've come across that before al-arifun the knowers of god the knowers of god they witness him in the blessings and in the trials they witness god in the blessings and in the trials in the gifts and in the difficulties in fact they often they take delight in them because of that which comes after them from um, I don't know how to translate Messiah from like um, special characteristics and gifts and blessings like basically when they know these people who know God they know that there are certain things that they can't attain except through going through trials and that going through those trials is a means by which they can attain those things and you know this is very similar to so many other things in life it's like you know you have to stay up and go through the pain of studying all night in order to pass the exam in order to get the to do well on the exam and like get the the benefit and the good the good that comes from doing well on that exam, you go through the pain of staying up all night and you're not going to get one without the other. Or it's like for for people who are training really hard or they're athletes or something like that. You know, like we used to, when I was playing basketball really seriously, 
and I was actually in decent shape. Allah forgive me for what I've allowed myself to become. Um, we used to really enjoy the pain, like <laughs> not not the pain of being hurt, but the pain of pushing yourself right up to like the point, you know. So so you know you're not about you're not going to push yourself, and you know yourself well enough because you're training so regularly that you know the point at which you're going to get hurt, but you also know how to stop right before it, and you're going to feel it the next day, and you would enjoy that, all right. And there's there's a point at which the training is is um, is uh, you don't mind it at some level, you know, like especially people who are like really end up being really really good and stuff. They have to actually attain that maqam, right? Like you can't really excel unless you attain the station of enjoying the difficulty of the trial of training, such that you can benefit from the good of the consequence of it. And um, that's this is also true in life. Like a lot of the things of of patience, of dependency on God, on being content with God, on turning towards Him, um, all of these things they're learned through the trial of fire, in a sense. You know, they're learned through the trial of of the difficulty that of whatever it is that we're going through. So they they take they they don't mind it. In fact, they actually embrace it. And that's, you know, not easy to do. But there are people of this station. So, uh, one of the things that, you know, you realize about is, uh, true spirituality is it's not something... Like, most of these things are not things that can be talked about, and they're definitely not things that can be claimed. And always, always beware of the maker of claims. Someone, If someone comes to you and they say, Yeah, actually me... You know, when Allah puts me through a trial, I love it because I know that it's like a means by which I'm going to learn more. It's like, okay, <laughs> first of all, you're kind of pushing the uh, don't don't. That's a, that's something you don't want to mess with. You know, like whatever it is that comes, alhamdulillah. But you don't want to push that one. And number two is that they're probably lying. And uh, that's why our teachers, especially in issues of spirituality, they always say, beware the maker of claims. Beware the maker of claims. Beware the maker of claims. person who claims to you know, be in these things. Even Ibn Atta'Allah, Sayyidina Shaykh Ibn Atta'Allah, is not claiming these things. He's saying this is the case with some people. This is, this, this, is the, this is the way of the people who know God. They're like that. right? And so it's more, it's descriptive rather than it's like, I have these things. He doesn't say that at all ever here. And you'll see what he says. I don't think it's in the translations, but you'll see what he says when you get to like the end of the hikam is in his munajah, his his statements calling upon God. The first of them, for example, he says, "Ilahi anan faqiru fi ghinaya fakayfa la akunu faqiran fi faqri. Ilahi anan jahilu fi ilmi fakayfa la akunu jahulan fi jahli." He says, "My Lord, I am impoverished in my wealth." So how can I not be impoverished in my poverty? My Lord, I am ignorant in my knowledge. So how can I not be ignorant in my ignorance? Uh, this is this is what he's this is this is this is how he talks to God. And this is he's the one who wrote this thing. So uh, always, you know, we have to be careful of those things. But this is the case. Because because he says because these trials and difficulties they go through, they um, they really force the person to become close to their Lord. And because they're going to call upon him, and they're going to turn towards him, and they're going to use patience and contentment and depending on Allah in that which he decrees. And all of these other things that are the issues of the heart, they're going to use all of those things in order to get through whatever trial and tribulation it is that they're going through. Um, and that in and of itself is a type of <coughs> lutf, loving kindness. That no one except for someone who's been mahjub means there's a veil between them and Allah. They're veiled. Only the veiled wouldn't be able to see that there's something there. That 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 in and of itself is part of Allah's lutf. That the person when they go through the when they go through the trial, they're pushed towards these act these actions of the heart that bring them closer to their Lord. And that in and of itself is lutf, is gentle kindness, or loving kindness. Then he says this quote here at the end that I said that we're going to come back to. I said last week I had said that um, this section seems to be filled with hikam inside of the commentary on the hikam. Wisdoms inside of the commentary on the wisdoms. So he says right here, 
says, فَإِنَّ ذَرَّةً مِنْ أَعْمَالِ الْقُلُوبِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ أَمْثَالِ الْجِبَانِ مِنْ أَعْمَالِ الْجَوَارِحِ He says, because an atom's weight of deeds of the heart is better than the likes of, a, of mountains of actions, of deeds of the, of the limbs. An atom's weight of deeds of the heart is better than, a mount, than mountains of actions of the limbs. And this is something that we've been seeing over and over again, right? This concept that sometimes in the Muslim community, it takes a little bit of time for people to get this through their heads because quite frankly, we've been taught wrong. So we're taught like if you just do all of these things, then all of a sudden you're a great person and you're so close to Allah because mashallah, in the end, it's not really about anything other than your self-discipline. Self-discipline is not a state of the heart. Is it's an issue of like the mind and the body and maybe you can discipline yourself yeah discipline is part of spirituality but someone can be extremely disciplined and be a narcissist it's totally it's totally possible so they're extremely disciplined mashallah they can get up early and they can pray their fajr in the masjid and they can do quran afterwards and they can make dhikr afterwards and then they're going to sit and they're going to respond to emails and they're going to do this and that and take care of people and whatever they're going to organize their time perfectly and do all of these things and in the end they're just arrogant okay so like all of those mountains of deeds of the limbs what were they worth because the deed of the heart was in the wrong place and someone else, like, they can't figure out what they're doing and they might not do things the right way sometimes and so on and so forth. But the sincerity that they have and the goodness that they have in their heart is so remarkable and so powerful that it far outweighs all of those other things that the other person does. And this is, this is, part, this is part of our religion. This is not like some make-believe thing. This is extremely, extremely important. We have to really... Um, Try to get these things right and try to get our hearts in the right place. May Allah help us. 107, he says, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, La yukhafu alayka an taltebisa at turuku alayk, wa inna yukhafu alayka min ghalabatil hawa alayk. So he says, it is, not, it is not to be feared that the paths will confuse you, but only that whims will defeat you. It's not a bad translation. It is not to be feared that the paths will confuse you, but only that whims will defeat you. So it's saying what? It's saying like, the issue is not figuring out what to do and what not to do. That's not the issue. That's, that's not what the fear is actually. Because the paths to Allah, where Allah, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُولَنَا that those who struggle in our way, we will guide them to our paths. It's not, we're not, it's not, the fear is not that you're going to lose track of these paths and you're going to go the wrong way or something like that. It's not really the fear. The fear is that you will lose the battle to your own desires. Your own desires and your own... That whole thing this whole thing that's going on in here the fear is that you'll lose that battle and that battle is the real battle because as long as that's not in the right place then nothing else is going to be in the right place and uh, it doesn't matter like uh, what you know you know because if you lose that battle everything starts to get mixed up and that's not because the path is not clear it's because that which was taking you on the path became muddy and that's yourself it's it's your heart and your nafs and yourself that is taking you and me on the journeys that we're on and so sometimes uh, ourselves is what actually makes the path not clear for us because there's so much self-interest there's so much of what I want there's so much of um, all of these kind of things that gets in the way and that's going to come up and some of the ones that are coming, so I won't belabor the point too much. Uh, one of the things that he says here in the commentary was, وَإِنَّمَا يُخَافُ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ غَلَبَةٍ هَوَى عَلَيْكَ حَتَّى يُعْمِيَكَ عَنْ رُؤْيَتِهَا So he says, the issue is not the paths. Because the Qur'an is clear and the Sunnah is clear. And alhamdulillah, these are preserved. 
the Quran is preserved for us and the hadith is preserved for us and the teachings that come from these two are preserved for us Alhamdulillah the Muslims have been through all kinds of things in all kinds of places and these things have been preserved for us that this is what our religion tells us but what is what is what happens is that our our desires our whims overcome us and when they overcome us they blind us to seeing the the path that we're supposed to be on uh, and the poet he said he said the try or the mm, the tribulation of the mind is the desires, the whims. So whoever's mind and intellect come above their whims and their desires, then they have been saved. And um, so they say, for example, that the one who puts their nafs behind their aql, they'll be they'll be okay. But the one who puts their aql behind their nafs, they're going to have all kinds of problems. And this is, subhanAllah, like... It's something that's repeated over and over and over again in Islamic spirituality. And it's a concept that I don't think that the average person really thinks about very much. But when you really contemplate it, it's so true. And once you... You know, it's like one of those things that once you put it in your head and you accept it, you see it everywhere. You know, and sometimes in yourself, you're like, oh, well, I kind of let, I kind of put my myself, my nafs ahead of my aql on that one. Like I really wasn't thinking about that, and um, subhanallah. And but the person who then they they have all these all these desires and they have all these feelings and they have all these emotions, but they're gonna put their mind first. And I'm going to look at this objectively and seriously and analyze the situation. And, you know, and, and there's, there's this wall here. I'm not letting them get past this fence, my emotions. Um, otherwise, it just runs wild. It's like a, the dam has been broken. Right? So this, what is feared then is that those things will overcome the person. Uh, another person said, إِذَا أَنْتَ لَمْ تَعْسِ الْهَوَى قَادَكَ الْهَوَى إِلَى كُلِّ مَا فِيهِ عَلَيْكَ مَقَالٍ says, if you don't disobey your whims, you don't disobey your whims, they will drive you to everything that will result in things being said about you that are not good. They will drive you there. And subhanAllah, this is something that we struggle with all the time, right? Like I'll give you a very personal example, just by way of trying to um, bring this home in a sense. The other, recently I bought some new shoes. And um, in general, shoes are a little bit of a hawa issue for me. Alhamdulillah, over my, uh, like, once I had children and stuff like that, I've been able to control it more than I have at other points in my past. I'm, my stinginess helps a little bit, so I don't go crazy with shoes because I'm stingy also. So, like, it balances it a little bit, but uh, I bought these new shoes, and I put them in the room, and I didn't open them because I had some other things to do. And then uh, at some point I went into the room to pray and I had to, and I, I knew I had to be somewhere else right after I prayed. I had to get up and go right after I prayed and I was probably already running late. And the whole time I'm praying, I'm seeing these shoes in, in the corner of my eye, right? And I'm thinking to myself like, I didn't even open the box yet. Like just try them, you just try them on for like, it's gonna, you try them on, it's gonna take a minute. It's gonna take two minutes, three minutes. You're just gonna try them on. But like, you know, it's not a big deal. You're already, you're going to get through what's three minutes anyways. It's two, like this whole thing is going on in my head. But at the same time, I'm knowing like I have to get to wherever I'm going. I'm already late. So there's like this battle. The hell the, the, yeah, the, the base desires are there about wanting to just try on the pair of shoes. Alhamdulillah, I didn't give in. And I fought the hell and I left the shoe box there. And this is the way that the hell works. So I left the shoebox there. I walked five steps away, and I didn't care about the shoebox anymore. Because this is, this is really the way that the hawa works. Like, it's going to try something, and it's going to try to distract you with that thing from doing what you're supposed to do. 
And if it succeeds, it succeeds. But if it doesn't, it's not gonna just like you don't just stay with it. It's gonna look for something else to 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 mess you up on your path. Uh, so the the hawa, and of course that's a really small example, trying on shoes and not trying them on. But what what this quote is saying at the end of the the section in the commentary is if you don't disobey that desire, it will take you into other places. So yeah, initially it's going to be something that's very simple, but that desire then will build up its strength, and eventually it's going to command you to do other things that you really shouldn't be doing. And at that point, the water that was under the bridge with the experience before is going to play out. Okay. So 108. 108. Glorious beyond ken is he who has veiled the secret of electhood in the appearance of humanness and who is manifest through the mightiness of lordship in the very showing of one's slavehood. This is kind of a tough one. Um... The translation is tough. It's tough to translate in the first place. So I'm just going to explain it. Hopefully once I explain it, somehow that translation will make sense uh, for you. And so what's going on here? The concept here, the, the two concepts here, that are with each other initially are al-khususiyya and al-bashariyya al-khususiyya and al-bashariyya al-khususiyya is uh, related to the word khas khas is elect that's why they say elected here uh, that which is special and al-bashariyya is that which is human uh, but kind of like in a physical sense So the idea that's, that's being raised here Is this idea that the human being Is made of two primary components The human being is made of the component Of their physical reality Their body And everything that comes with the physical reality Of their body Using the restroom Having body odor Their breath smelling Getting sick All of these things are from Basharia Making mistakes um, you know, all of that is basharia. This is their humanness in their physical sense. But then they have a humanness that is related to the soul, and that is an khususiya. That's what makes them special. So this basharia, this physical humanness, is what human beings share with all of the other animals, right? All of the other. Um, living things in a sense and but what makes human beings unique is that issue of the soul and the spirit so that's their khususiyya so what he's saying in the first part here is glorified is the one who hid the secret of electhood in the appearance of humanness so this is to say that Oftentimes Allah hides the absolute magnificence of a person under their humanness. Trying to decide if I want to share what I have in my mind right now. I don't think it's probably a good idea to. But they say, for example, that this is one of the things about the Prophet them that the people of Quraysh who disbelieved in him, they only saw Muhammad ibn Abdullah. When they saw the Prophet them, they only saw Muhammad ibn Abdullah. They saw Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib. And that is his Bashariya them. And he might have the most beautiful and the most magnificent basharia, but it's still a basharia, it's still a humanness. And that's all they saw. Whereas the people who believed in him, they saw his khususiyya at some level. They didn't see Muhammad ibn Abdullah. They saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They saw the messenger of God. 
And so, but, but glorious is Allah, like how amazing is Allah that He takes something that is so grand, the, the electhood of the person who has attained to some sort of spiritual reality in their relationship with God is the most grandest thing in creation. Like it's one of the most magnificent things in creation. For someone to truly know God, it's one of the most magnificent things in creation. But look, but look at God, that He hides that under their humanness. So He says in the commentary, for example, so He says, like, for example, a sirran huwan khususuya alladhi khassa biha awliyaahu min al-ma'arif wal-asrab bi-dhuhun al-bashri ayin ahmal alladhi tu'aradu lil-bashar فَقَدْ يَكُونُ بَعْضُ الْأَوْلِيَاءِ خَوَاصٍ مَثَلًا لِيَسْتُرَ خُصُوصِيَّتَهُ بِهَذِهِ الصُّنَعَةِ الَّتِي يَتَعَطَاهَا فَلَا يَعْرِفُهُ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ So he says that like the person could be from the awliya, they could be from the elect, from the saints of God and Allah will hide them by them having the job of like being a um the word that he used here is the person who sells palm tree leaves which is like not really the most distinguished profession um, so it says they can make them someone who sells palm tree leaves they can make them some Allah can make them someone who sits on the side of the road and holds a sign asking you to give them money that person could be a wali Allah that person could be a saint elect person with the God and God will keep him hidden like this so as to protect him in a sense. Um, part of why this is really important is because again, oftentimes we have what one of the things Ibn Al-Ta'ala does is he breaks our false paradigms. You know, one of our false paradigms is that a wali has to look a certain way or a wali has to be a certain way or a wali has to have a certain type of job <coughs> it's not that way at all like how many of the people are awliya they're, they're probably in prisons right now in the United States especially and they're, they're elect people of Allah nobody even pays attention to them nobody even cares about them nobody cares about the system that is designed to put them there you know and nobody gives it a second thought, and they're the they're the most beloved people to Allah. Um, uh, there's a brother that I know that most people in the community probably don't pay that much attention to. I'm not anyone to say that he's like from the great saints or something but I think that this brother is very special and to the point that like when Gmail first came out he got like this particular Gmail that has to do with dua or something because he truly really believes that the dua is answered and you trust Allah and Allah takes care of you and you look at his life and you're like subhanAllah that he came to those conclusions and he does the things that he does um, being tested with the kind of things that he had been tested with but do people pay very much attention you know he has a regular job nobody nothing special about it he's not like wearing the imam's hat teaching the lesson or something and these are all false paradigms you know maybe that maybe the person will look like that but maybe they won't so, and and how amazing is Allah that he hides his secret wherever he wants he hides his secret wherever he wants. He can hide his secret in someone that can barely speak Arabic. And someone that can't pronounce the Quran properly. And someone who uh, the average Muslim will look at them and not even know that they're a Muslim. And Allah hides his secret there. And that's very real. And glorified is he also who, who gives the hides the greatness of his lordship in his servanthood. So basically what this is saying is that when a person humbles themselves to worshiping God and serving God, only in that humility 
do they realize the magnificence of God? So, uh, uh, and Allah hid that in this, right? Like He hid His magnificence in the person recognizing their own servanthood. And when they recognize their own servanthood, then that opens up for them. And if they don't, they can't know that. So glorified is He, Subhanallah, that He does these kind of things, Subhanahu wa Taala. One oh nine La to Talib Rabbeke Bita Akhuri Matlebik, Walakin Talib Nefseke Bita Akhuri Adabik. Take not your Lord to task that what you seek is slow in coming, but take yourself to task that your manners are slow in coming. It's a pretty good translation. Um, what you seek is your Matlab, that which you are asking for, that which you are seeking. So saying, like, when you ask something of Allah, don't take a lot of task because it's not coming at the speed that you want it to come. Take yourself to task because you even thought that in the first place. That you even thought that about Allah in the first place, take yourself to task for that. Don't worry about when Allah is going to answer what He wants to answer from your request. As we had in the very beginning, that um, He gives you what He gives you when He wants to give you it, and not at any other time. Um, and that's, that's who He is. Glorified and exalted is he. Uh, he says, and from the good adab, وَمِنَ أَدَبِكَ فِي الطَّلَبِ عَدَمُ طَلَبِ الْإِجَابَةِ فَإِنَّ الطَّالِبَ إِنَّمَا يَقْصِرُ بِدُعَائِهِ إِذْهَارُ الْعُبُودِيَةِ فَقَدْ says, from the good manners of the person is to not make the intention of their dua for it to be answered. The intention of their du'a is not for their du'a to be answered. The intention of their du'a is for them to show their servanthood. They're just showing their servanthood. And from the good manners also is Adamu رُؤْيَةَ الْإِسْتِحْقَاقِ لِمَا تَطْلُوب And the other one is, another one is to, another good manners manner is to have, to not have entitlement about that which they are seeking. I just like it was when I was reading. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's the word in Arabic. Entitlement's a really important word, right? And it's al-istihqaq, seek, thinking, thinking that you have a right to something. So, you know, part of good manners in making du'a is not thinking that you have a right to something. You have you have a right to it. You are making du'a out of servanthood, and Allah will give what He wants to give. Subhanallah. Um, متى جعلك في الظاهر ممتثلا لأمره ورزقك في الباطن الاستسلام لقهره فقد أعظم المنة عليك I'm going too slow today I'm realizing um, when he, Whenever he makes you obedient outwardly to his command And bestows you surrender inwardly to his irresistible power He has shown you largesse beyond thinking So when he gives you these two things, what are the two things? Outwardly, one is obedient to Allah's commands. Outwardly, one is obedient to Allah's commands. And inwardly, they are uh, submitted to his power, his irresistible power. Qahr. Qahr is an amazing word. I don't, you know, it's his irresistible power. He is al-Qahar. It's, it's a power that you cannot resist. So he has given you outward, given us outward, given one of us, inshallah, ya Rabb, um, outward submission. He gives us outward submission. Uh, to his command, obedience to his command, and inward submission to his power. And in doing that, he's given you something that's beyond thinking. That's it. There's no. There's, there's nothing else. That's beyond being able to think. And he said in the commentary, فَإِنَّهُ لَا دَرَجَةَ أَعْلَى مِنَ التَّقَلُّبِ فِي عُبُودِيَةِ الظَّاهِرِ وَالْبَاطِنِ Because there's no level that's better than going back and forth between the servanthood of the outward and the servanthood of the inward. So we're submitted to Allah in the outward, we're submitted to Allah in the inward, and we're just going back and forth between these. He says, there's nothing that's higher than that. There's nothing that's better than that. 
This is really important. Extremely important. God, Allah help us. There are so many charlatans and there's so many fake people. And I don't make any claims to be real. I'm trying. I make mistakes. Prophet ﷺ taught us to say, Allahumma ya muqallibin qulub thabbit qulubana ala deenik. Oh Allah, the one who turns hearts, make our hearts firm on your deen. Because we don't know. We don't know what will happen. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do the week after that. All I have is Allah. And um, why I'm saying that is because no matter what a person teaches you, no matter what a person says, the ultimate arbiter in everything that we do is the Sharia. The ultimate arbiter in everything we do is the Sharia. It is the outward law. It is the prophetic law of the Prophet Nobody is free from it. Nobody uh, gets a pass. And nobody has the... Uh, Nobody has a right to exclusivity in interpretation. This is one of the great protections of the Ummah of the Prophet The way to seek knowledge is known. It's not hidden in one person. When it comes to the outward knowledge, that which we make decisions by, that which we are ultimately held accountable for, there's no, there's no hidden secrets in outward knowledge. In inward knowledge of spirituality and stuff, there are people who might have secrets. There are people who might have realizations and experiences and stuff but that's not the ultimate arbiter that's not the meter stick the meter stick is the sharia the sharia is known we have schools of law we have people of knowledge it's not like oh but this sh but my sheikh said this well your sheikh is subject to the same rules as everyone else and and your sheikh is part of the scholarly community if they're a scholar that everyone else is part of and if what they're saying has no foundation in the outward law there's nothing to be said about it Right, and uh, so what this what this uh, hikma is saying, and what I'm saying is related to it. Which is not everyone truly of the elect has yet been freed of shortcomings. What this is saying, and maybe that translation is a little bit. Um, yeah. Ne? It's saying that not everyone who has been given, who has been chosen in a sense, they've been chosen to have special gifts. Not everyone who has that is actually purified. Okay, and there's different possibilities here. And that's why always in the books of spirituality, they don't pay attention to miracles. Miracles are not something that, like if you find a spiritual teacher and all of their discourse is about the miracles and you're going to have these miracles and you're going to have that miracles and like oh look what happened with this person and so on and so forth like <laughs> get away from me it could all be true and i don't want to have anything to do with it because now that's that's a whole different ball game so he says here and these are like these are the masters again like these are the people who you know ibn atala was a master of the maniki school he taught the maniki school in al-azhar uh, Sheikh Abdul Majid al-Shurnubi is in Kibar Ulama al-Azhar. He's from the great scholars of, of the Ummah. He says, لَيْسَ كُلُّ مَنْ ثَبَتَ تَخْصِيصُهُ بِإِذْهَارِ أَمْرٍ خَارِقٍ لِلْعَادَةِ عَلَى يَدِهِ كَطَيِّ الْأَرْضِ وَالطَّيْرَانِ فِي الْهَوَى وَالْمَشِي عَلَى الْمَاءِ وَغَيْرُ ذَلِكَ مِنْ الْكَرَامَاتِ كَمُلَ تَخْلِيصُهُ مِنْ رُؤِيَةَ الْأَغْيَارِ وَآفَاتِ النَّفْسِ فإنه كثيرا ما تظهر الكرامة على أيدي المبتدئين ولا تظهر على أيدي الواصلين من أهل التمكين سبحان الله So he says look He says check it out Not everyone who has been chosen To have something that is a break from the norm A miracle A break from the norm Happen on their hands uh, Such as He says such as The earth being rolled up for them these are things that are there. These are all in the old books that there's people who had these miracles. The earth being rolled up for them is like basically they take one step and they've landed in like another country. Allahu Alam. And flying in the air. 
and you know you thought that magic carpet thing came out of nowhere <laughs> flying in the air and walking on water and all of these different things that happen from miracles not everyone who's been chosen to have one of these miracles has actually already reached a state of being purified um, and from overcoming their nefs or their desires or whatever it may be he says because it's not uncommon for a miracle to show up from someone who's in the beginning of their journey more than even it shows up in the someone who's in the end of their journey it could happen like these things could happen in different ways the point is those kind of things are not the arbiter they're not the measuring stick do, do not uh, be deluded by those kind of things um, and and then he says سيقول المصنف the author is going to say ربما رزق الكرامة من لم تكمل له الاستقامة maybe someone's been given a miracle but they're not actually steadfast they haven't been given they're not firm they're not steadfast but they have a miracle that happens to them it's not like that big of a deal فالاستقامة هي أعظم الكرامات التي أكرم بها العبد من رب البريات that the being steadfast is the greatest miracle that anyone can be given from their lord being steadfast is the greatest miracle that anyone can be given from their Lord. This will be said over and over and over again. And this, what are you being steadfast to? You're being steadfast to the rulings of the outward law. That's, that's what you're being steadfast to. To making your dhikr, the guidance of the outward law. Making the dhikr, establishing the prayer, staying away from the haram, so on and so forth. All of those are issues of the outward law. Okay, so this is what then is that's the biggest thing to look for mm. uh. so that's that's the biggest thing to look for then he says uh, how many do we have on here oh good we have to finish them then how much time do we have well we'll see لا يستحقر الورد إلا جهول الوارد يوجد في الدار الآخرة والورد ينطوي بانطواء هذه الدار وأولى ما يعتنى به ما لا يخلف وجوده الورد هو طالبه منك والوارد أنت تطلبه منه وأينما هو طالبه منك مما هو مطلبك منه Wird. Inspiration, wadid, is to be found in the hereafter, while the litany vanishes with the vanishing of this world. But it is more fitting to be occupied with something for which there is no substitute. The litany is what he seeks from you. The inspiration is what you seek from him. What comparison is there between what he seeks from you and what you seek from him? So again, you know, this idea of we do not worship the emotions we do not worship the state we do not worship what Allah gives us from gifts we worship Allah and we do that through that which he has given us and our regular devotions the litany is 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 are one of the most powerful things by which we worship him and in doing so we're putting our focus and our energy in the place where it needs to be um, the litany is of this world and it has a limited term and the wird and the wadid the inspiration is of the next world you know so what was here in the moment that you were supposed to do and which will not return that's more important to pay attention to than that which comes later and that which can be dealt with in the future um, which has a substitute in a sense and also the litany is what he's asking of you and the inspiration is what you're seeking for him, from him. And what's more important? What he's asking of you or what you're seeking from him? This is, what Allah asks of me is more important than what I'm seeking from Allah. This has to be, if I'm a servant of Allah, if I'm abd, ubudiyah, servanthood, is to recognize that what Allah wants from me is more important than what I want from Allah. What Allah wants from me is more important than what I want from Allah. <coughs> 114. 
ورود الامداد بحسب الاستعداد وشروق الانوار على حسب صفاء الاسرار The arrival of sustenance is in accordance with receptivity while the raying out of lights is in accordance with the purity of the innermost being um, <coughs> He says in the commentary, the coming of these uh, arrival of sustenance, imdad, is from Allah. And it comes from Allah as the person purifies their heart and as they stay consistent in their acts of litanies and worship. And the raying out of lights in the heart of the knower, that comes from the purity of the inside of the person. And their lack of attachment to other than God. <coughs> so, um, this is basically just telling us that this progression is going to happen as a result of doing what needs to be done and submitting to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to purify my heart. I'm going to do my acts of worship, which will help me in purifying my heart. And that will be a means by which I'm given the ability to continue on that path. And as I continue on that path, and as I continue on that path, and as I continue on that path, eventually the purification will go from one layer to the next, to the next, to the next, deeper and deeper into the heart and soul of the person until the lights of divine inspiration begin to shine in the person's heart. 114. This is a good one to write on the mirror. Although if you're going to write it in Arabic, I would suggest instead of writing you can write what will be done to him. That way you don't have to write Allah's name on the mirror in your bathroom. But uh, this uh, hikmah says when the forgetful man gets up in the morning, he reflects on what he is going to do, whereas the intelligent man or woman sees what God is doing with him. The ghaf and the heedless, they wake up and they say, what am I going to do? And the person of, of intellect, of attentiveness, they say, they wake up and they say, hmm, let's see what Allah has in store for me today. Right? And they're going to, of course, go about their business like a, like a person of intellect is going to go about their business. But they're going about their business knowing that this is my business that I need to do and let's see what Allah is doing today. It's really, it's really kind of cool. It's really beautiful. Um, commentary, The person who is guided to the true they're not guided to themselves. And the person who's guided to themselves, they're not guided to Allah. They're not, uh, their focus is on themselves. So then that, that, becomes the, that becomes the orbit that they're, that they're circling in. And Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, the righteous Khalifa, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, أَصْبَحْتُ وَمَالِي سُرُورٌ إِلَّا فِي مَوَاقِعِ الْقَدْرِ He says, I come to the, I wake up, uh, I come to the new day, and I have no joy except in the instances of the qadr. Like the moment that, my only, I wake up in the day and the joy that I have is in the decree. Whatever it is, that's like when the decree happens, th those are the things that I take joy in. That's, that's what I'm here for. Uh, uh, it's really remarkable again. 1.15 uh, the devotees and ascetics are alienated from everything only because of their absence from God and everything. Had they contemplated Him and everything, they would not have been alienated from anything. Mm -hmm. This is a good one. Again, breaking the uh, 
patterns that we have in our head. So we have the pattern in our head that if I'm going to really worship Allah, I have to get all of my prayers in the masjid. I need to pray all of my sunnahs with no exceptions. I need to memorize this much Qur'an. I need to make this much dhikr. I need to not be involved in this thing or not be involved in that thing and so on and so forth. And these are the people, and bad are the people who are devoted to worship. The devotees, the ones who are devoted to worship. That's why these are the people who anytime they have to get out of the masjid, they're upset because it's dunya. Okay. Or the zuhad, the people who are ascetics, they're trying to be detached from everything so they can completely focus on Allah. So that they have to like go to work is upsetting to them because they just want to be focused on Allah. And the, and the reason why all of those things are upsetting to them is because their absence of Allah in all of the other things. Because they're not with Allah. Outside of their worship and outside of their particular setup that they want, they're not with Allah and other than that. And because they're not with Allah and everything and other than that, um, they feel alienated from everything. And this is part of like this, um, the dissonance that you see oftentimes in practicing Muslims. And what, one of the things he's really getting at here, quote unquote, practicing Muslims, is that a person who has a correct understanding of spirituality, they don't have a dissonance between them and the world. So the wor- everything in the world is the, is the creation of Allah and it's the means by which we come closer to Allah. So why would I have a dissonance? I have to go do my job, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have this problem with my family, I have whatever it might be. Why are all of those things things that don't have me attached to Allah? Because I don't see, because I'm not with Allah. And because I'm not with Allah, then that's the problem. Um, So I'm alienated from everything. Whereas he says in the end, had they contemplated him in everything, they would not have been alienated from anything. Had they witnessed Allah in everything, they wouldn't be away from Him, him in anything. And, um, you know, I think this is, um, you know, some people might not agree with me on this one, but I think like sometimes when you hear these clamors about the people, the scholars being this kind of like scholar versus activist rift and like the scholars being irrelevant and out of touch and so on and so forth, Sometimes that's true, but sometimes what is also true is that you're out of touch. So like you're so involved in your world of activism and so on and so forth that you forgot that there's other things. And because you don't have any connection with anyone of spirituality, with anyone of knowledge and religious learning, then you feel like they're all out of touch. Well, actually, you're out of touch you're out, because there's always people there if your understanding of how to deal with the world is correct, as you think it is, then there will always be people there, as a Muslim, then there will always be people of knowledge there who know how to engage with that. And if you didn't find them, you didn't find them. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. Um, you know, so this is like, so it's, it's, it's not this, quite the same, but it's kind of similar. Like, you didn't see it because you were absent from it. Because you were absent from it, but... You know, you were alienated from it because you were absent from it. But if you weren't alien, if you had noticed that it was there, then you wouldn't be alienated from it. And this, in the case of Allah, is of course even more of a big deal. It's like if 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 you had known that Allah was there and everything, why would you feel alienated in these other things? And these these are the hikam that like we're teaching this and we're going through this every single week, and I'm reminded of this every single week, and still every single day I blow it on these things. It's like every single day. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, how stupid can a person be that every single day you're still making the same mistakes? I'm still making the same mistakes. Not you, me. It's like, when, when, when can I get it through my head that Allah is Allah and everything in creation is Allah's? And my connection with Him is not dependent upon some sort of system that I set up in my head is it's dependent upon him and he's not going anywhere subhanahu wa ta'ala and I think um, 
I wonder if this is a good place to stop. covered again 10 today I was trying to make an intention to cover more than 10 in these sessions but even so it's kind of fast I don't maybe we shouldn't do that but I'm just feeling like we've already had 15 sessions and we're probably going to need at this rate 20 more but inshallah khair it's better to do it right than to not to, to not so